which is beautiful, will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jacques Daniel, and I'm here with... Sister Sarah. We are broadcasting live from downtown Rapid City at the Chancery Buildings in the heart of Rapid City, South Dakota. Right next door. On a fine, cold October morning. It's cold. It's a little chilly outside. It's not bad, though. It's not bad. It could be worse. It could be worse. It is South Dakota, and it is uh, nearly November. (laughs) So there have been uh, only a few moments I remember of trick-or-treating uh, in a you know full coat and hat and completely covering up my costume. Not too many, but enough that it's uh, it's time. It's time for snow and cold. And This might be one of those days. This might be one of those days, but we're here in the Chancery Building. We have an amazing show lined up for us today. We have coffee, and, uh, and uh, we've got an amazing lineup of speakers, so we should... We should jump in. We, we should shouldn't mess around because we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> uh, but let's pray, shall we? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the rest. We thank you for our frost and chill. Thank you for all of the ways that you take care of us and provide for us. Thank you this day for... Uh, the gift of life. And we ask that you'd be with us as we speak with a variety of uh, the speakers that you brought for us today. Draw us closer to you. In a very uh, particular way, we also pray for Adam Johnson and his family. Pray for rest and consolation. Mary, most holy mother, we entrust this time to you we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, grace, the, the Lord, Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. The Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, we have an amazing show this morning. We have the great privilege of talking to Joel Stepanek who is uh, the Chief Mission Officer for the National Eucharistic Congress. Normally there's a little bit of time for some banter, some, you know, chit-chat, but we don't have time for that. There's a lot going on. we got a Eucharistic Congress coming up, and uh, Joel, welcome to Real Presence Live. It is wonderful to be with you. I was laughing as you talked about frost and chill, because I'm in (laughs) Phoenix, Arizona, and so... So it's probably really similar weather there, then. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we will be looking at a, a beautiful 72 degrees as we walk around yeah, collecting candy good. this evening. You'll need a sweatshirt for that. That's cold. <laughs> there will be people with them without a doubt. <laughs> it gets a little chilly at night. The sun goes down. It gets a little chilly. <laughs> well, don't I mean, rub it in our face. <laughs> <laughs> Joel, inter- please introduce yourself. Tell us more about you. Uh, So I uh, work for the National Eucharistic Congress, and my role there is really uh, surrounds programming. 
for this incredible historic event that will be happening in July of 2024. Prior to that, I served uh, many years, about 15 years, in youth ministry um, at parishes and an apostolate, uh, a youth apostolate called Life Teen for much of that time, and have really been blessed to see the work that the Lord's been doing in the Church and to have front row seats to the work of the Spirit as we enter into this really unique time in history where uh, God is certainly moving and doing some big things. And so it's been a real privilege to be a part of that at a variety of levels. I live in Phoenix, Arizona, where it is finally getting cooler. You know, in the summer we sing, you know, fire and heat, bless the Lord. Um, I have three children, nine, seven, and one-year-old, so they're all excited to go out trick-or-treating tonight as Lord of the Rings characters, so that's our mm-hmm. ensemble. Uh, we are, we've been reading Lord of the Rings books, so they're all like, let's go do that. Cool, let's, let's make that happen. <laughs> so we've got a Lord of the Rings fellowship going out this evening. Uh, I've been married for just over 10 years to my uh, wonderful wife, Colleen. Actually, when I say that, it's 11 years. I, I missed a year because we had our yeah. son uh, right before our 10-year anniversary. So, you know, around year five, we're like, let's go to Italy. Let's do something crazy. Well, we had another baby, which is even better. But I sometimes forget <laughs> that we had the 10-year anniversary because uh, it was a bit of a blur with a newborn. <laughs> That is fantastic. I was thinking as you were talking and uh, just sharing a little bit about your history, I think the first time I, so I work at the Diocese of Rapid City, and my first year here, uh, as soon as I started working, I went uh, that summer to a Life Teen Conference uh, in Arizona in the middle of the, the dead of summer, <laughs> or however you want to say it, the heat of summer. It was hot, a dry heat, of course, but um, but yeah, I saw, I was, a, it was privileged to be in a couple of your breakout sessions, and so lots of great graces but you have a new mission right at the moment and uh it's the national eucharistic congress so tell tell us more about it i know we've maybe we've heard it maybe those in our listening area have heard about it but um let's hear what it what is it just so we're all on the same page yeah without a doubt there is this thing happening in the united states right now called the national eucharistic revival and in 2019 our bishops um, as they were praying and discerning about what the, the Holy Spirit was doing in the United States right now and how to shepherd our country well, they were discussing different data points about Eucharistic belief, which is really a hallmark of who we are as Catholics, right? I mean, Jesus says if salt loses its saltiness, with what can it be seasoned? And as Catholics, if we lose our understanding, our belief, our hope uh, in Jesus Christ and the real presence of the Eucharist, we lose our saltiness as well. The bishops were sensing that there were some reports um, and surveys that were validating that there was a decline in Eucharistic belief. And so they started to pray about what does this mean? And then COVID hit. And as people returned back to their parishes, this um, lack of Eucharistic belief became even more evident. And in their discernment, we need to have a revival. We need to really intentionally pray for revival, because revival is the sovereign work of God, so we need to ask the Lord to send revival, the Holy Spirit to bring revival of Eucharistic belief to the Church, so that we might become on fire for our Lord in the Eucharist again, and then bring other people to that table, so that they can not just receive a symbol, but receive the Lord Himself. Jesus, the greatest gift, you know, we've been given, uh, gives Himself to us in the Eucharist, and we want to bring other people to that so they prayed and voted and discerned that we would uh, really all focus our energies as parishes, dioceses, apostolates, laity, clergy, religious, around this moment of revival. It's in this big movement, which is really a three-year movement, 
they discerned we would like to have one big moment uh, called the National Eucharistic Congress in the United States, which is a really unique event in that we've got a little bit of a Congress culture or a conference culture in the United States. There's lots of youth conferences. There's young adult conferences, men's conferences and women's conferences. But there really hasn't been one big event that allows everybody to come together under one banner. And there used to be. In the United States, uh, we've actually had nine Eucharistic Congresses, National Eucharistic Congresses in the United States, but they stopped after the 1940s. So just prior to really the, the surge of World War One, I, I think I, there was um, a final Eucharistic Congress, National Eucharistic Congress in the United States. And if you go to um, Mundelein in Chicago, the seminary there, they still have. That's where the last Eucharistic Congress was. So there's a big lake at that seminary. They built that lake for the Eucharistic Congress. Um, but then after that, this tradition of, of having these National Eucharistic Congresses stopped. Uh, there was a, the International Eucharistic Congress traveled through Philadelphia in the 1970s. But other than that, we've not had something like this in the United States for over 80 years. So as part of the discernment of the bishops, they said, let's, we need to bring this back. We need to have this moment within the movement of Eucharistic revival where we invite people to be healed, renewed, united, and formed so that they can go back to their parishes and their communities on fire with a love for Jesus Christ in the Eucharist and ready to share that love with other people in a truly missionary way. So that's the backstory of this big moment that's about to happen in July of 2024, a moment we've not had in the United States for over 80 years. That's really, in this, in hearing that, that's such a historical event then for the country. Um, and the fruits of that should be, God willing, should be great. <laughs> what, Joel, you know, with your role, could you explain a little bit your role in, as chief mission officer? What, exa- what does that mean? And, and what are you doing particularly within the, for, for the Congress? So my work really revolves around how we program this particular event. Like, what does this moment look like as people enter in as they uh, experience five days within the moment of the National Eucharistic Congress? So I'm really blessed to work with a lot of different laity, uh, clergy, religious, different apostolates as we bring in voices and perspectives, um, speakers, experiences, to this moment of the Congress. So it's truly something transformative. We're trying to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit's doing in this moment, which we think is unique from anything that's happened, certainly in the scope of the event, but also in how we make this more than I'm coming to simply listen to a great speaker or a good talk or somebody I really admire in the Catholic world, Um, but a moment where people come and they find healing and they find renewal and they find hope. And I think that's really what we're, we're trying to do in creating and crafting the experience and the programming is clearing the way for the Holy Spirit to bring renewal and hope to uh, a church that I think is a little weary, but is ready to go into the world um, and be hope. What, what are you personally most excited about in the, in the, for the Congress? For you all, of all these before. things that are happening, there's so much that's going to happen there. What what aspect of it excites you the most? I think seeing the fruit afterwards. I, I think that's what's really unique and fun about this moment is I don't know what the Lord's going to do. I wake up in the morning, I spend some time in the Eucharistic Chapel, which is just a two-minute drive. 
for my house, and I kind of just ask, Lord, you know, like, help me be obedient to how you're directing things today. There are wonderful planning committees and great people to work with, and I'm certainly excited for how the event is going to look, and there's all these little moments where you see the design of, of what the stage will look like, and, and you kind of visualize, okay, that's where we're going to have Eucharistic adoration. It's where we'll have Mass. It's where people will, will deliver, you know, beautiful messages and, and speak, uh, you know, uh, speak wonderful things. But I think for me, it's looking ahead beyond the event and trying to be docile to what the Spirit wants to do in the midst of that event so that uh, the Lord can bear fruit from it afterwards. And that's what I'm excited about. A revival, as I said earlier, is the, the sovereign work of God. And so we can't manufacture it. And I'm really mindful of that. It's kind of a weird place to be as you're designing an event and thinking about speakers and programming and talks and experiences and prayers to say all of this stuff is good. But at the end of the day, what we need to do is say, Lord, you know, please show up. Like, come Holy Spirit uh, and bring revival. And I think when we do that, then there's a certain um, freedom in being able to say, you know, Lord, we're, we're doing our best. And what you will do with this, I don't even know. But that's what I'm excited for. I don't know what the Lord is going to do through the revival, but I know he's going to do something. I know the Lord's going to do something big. I know that the moment for the United States is historic. For a number of different reasons, um, I, I think the Democratic and the Republican national conventions happen just within days or even like a week, week and a half of this particular event. So I know that the Lord is working something big and, and, and working something intentionally. That's what I'm excited for, to be able to be a part of that front row seat to the unveiling of revival in the United States. Yeah, that's beautiful. We uh, I, Just as you were talking... Joe, I'm thinking we were just on retreat this weekend, you know, and there's a lot of details involved. There's a lot of planning. Who's the speakers, as you said, like all of the, you know, what the menu is and, and who's coming and not coming to be the name tags. And there's so many little details, you know, but the, the beautiful piece of the whole weekend was just seeing the way that the Lord worked in people's lives and uh, unexpected ways and, and even in, uh, you know, difficulties and, and challenges. And uh, God is good. So that's, that is exciting. Uh, we're excited to talk more about the Eucharistic uh, Congress and a little bit about the pilgrimage that's connected to it. After the break, we're going to take uh, just a little minute here and uh, refill your coffee if you're listening and, and uh, enjoying some work in your office or in your uh, your studio or in your garage. And we're going to join back after the break. Uh, we have another person here in the studio just walked in. Bridget Grappentine will introduce her after the break. And uh, God bless you. We'll Connect in just a minute. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Searching for more great Catholic content? Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com. Find Catholic news you can trust, information about events coming up in the local area, and the latest on what's happening at the RPR Network. And don't forget that you can listen to any of our stations around the clock from anywhere in the world. Need prayers for someone or something in your life? You can submit those through our online form for the entire family to pray for. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. Online at realpresenceradio.com. 
This is Lavinia Spirito for Catholic Way Bible Study. Some say that our age of relativism, the belief that there are no absolute truths, began when the philosophers of the Enlightenment divorced reason from reality. Indeed, David Hume wrote that reason exists only to serve our own agendas. Contrast this with great thinkers like Thomas Aquinas and St. Augustine of Hippo, who each taught that reason is at the service of reality. And because of this, the human reason can reason their way to truth. In John Paul's famous encyclical Fides et Ratio, he writes, Faith and reason are like two wings on which the human spirit rises to the contemplation of truth. Millennia of Christians have held that faith without reason is brainwash, and reason without faith is blind. So today, when you're thinking through an issue, ask yourself, is my reason serving reality, or am I twisting reality to serve myself? Catholic Way Bible Study. Peace. Power. Purpose. Find out more at cwbs.org. At the University of Mary, we offer an education for the whole of life. Our values-based, flexible, and affordable education will prepare you for success and help you become a leader in your field. Whether you want to start your degree for the first time or continue your education, whether you are a working professional or want to pursue school full-time, join us for an education that will help you make a positive impact in our community. Discover the Mary difference. UMary.edu. That's UMary.edu. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Good morning and Good morning. welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm Jacques Daniel and I'm here with Bridget Carapentine and Sister Sarah Cole. And we are uh, we're broadcasting from downtown Rapid City in the uh, podcast room at the Chancery offices right next to uh, the mustard seed and armadillos and all of uh, the beautiful the beautiful humanity of downtown Rapid City. And we're here with uh, we're here with Joel Stepanek, Chief Mission Officer for the National Eucharistic Congress. We've been talking about the Congress. We've been talking about um, the bishop's vision and desires for a revival in the heart of their people, and uh, so here we are. We're back, you know, we um, I, I love Rapid City. You know, South Dakota is a tourist destination. We have Mount Rushmore. We have the Badlands. Uh, we've got the beautiful Black Hills. We have snow. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but the Congress isn't in Rapid City, South Dakota. It's in <laughs> Indianapolis. So, Joel, why, why is the destination Indianapolis? What's the significance? I think really a lot of it's practical, to be honest. I wish there was some big spiritual significance. Maybe there is, and we'll find out after the Congress. But Indianapolis is a pretty easy city for most of the United States to get to, uh, either by driving it's connected by several major highways. So for most folks, I think less than an eight-hour drive to get there. Uh, like, so I think two-thirds of the United States can get there in about eight hours driving. The airport, very friendly uh, and very easy to get into. So, and the city itself is built for conferences. So the location um, has a stadium where we would need to have uh, you know, that many people to gather. The stadium has a roof on it. That's pretty critical uh, in the middle of July, not just for the sun, but in the Midwest, sometimes you get thunderstorms that will come through that area. And then there's a beautiful conference center that can hold a lot of what we need to do. So a part of the consideration is where can we find enough space to gather Catholics? And then what can we do or where can we go that would provide an easy entry for most people in the United States? So 
really practical is the reason why we're in Indianapolis. But who knows? I think, you know, the Lord may have something cool that he wants to do there. And in this work, I take nothing for granted. So I say, you know, if we discern Indianapolis, the Lord's probably got some bigger purpose there as well that will yet to be seen uh, beyond this moment. Because you guys are expecting one, two thousand people, maybe. <laughs> I think. Well, I think we're hoping, you know, that over the course of those, um, over the course of those five days, that we see, you know, between sixty-five and seventy-five thousand people come through. Uh, you know, whether that's you know for a day, whether that's for the week, whether that's for a mass, um, to be able to have a, take part in this incredible experience. So, yeah, we're looking to fill that that stadium up, which has a capacity of sixty-five thousand people. That would be pretty amazing. That would be amazing, yeah. A little mini world, United States, like World Youth Day feel to some degree. It kind of makes me think of Denver coming together at Mile High Stadium for that big yeah, event John I, Paul. There's a, there's a, that's, that's a it's reminiscent of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it totally is. And I think that when we look back on World Youth Day in Denver, and that's another thing, you know, Denver, it's been interesting being in this work. You hear stories about how things were planned, and I think there was some questions in the 90s about, like, why Denver? Like, why why this spot in the United States? And St. John Paul II was fairly adamant that it be in Denver. Um, and I think there's been wonderful spiritual fruit there that nobody could have really predicted as far as some of the ministries and mm-hmm. people and just the, the overall atmosphere of the Catholic Church in Denver that now in hindsight you say, wow, like, that was a catalyst moment for that area mm-hmm. in that city. Absolutely. Yes. So, Joel, part of the the prelude, I guess you could say, to the Congress is a, a national Eucharistic pilgrimage from the four corners of the United States to meet in Indianapolis. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? I would love to, because I'm very excited about the mm-hmm. pilgrimage. We are going to process the Blessed Sacrament via pilgrimage um, through four different routes across the United States. Uh, so this is going to cover, I mean, thousands of miles the longest route being the Sarah route which is uh, from california all the way to indianapolis uh, over 2100 miles and we will have groups of people uh, perpetual pilgrims that will walk alongside uh, a priest um with the blessed sacrament uh across the united states and so for really hundreds of thousands if not potentially millions of people they will have a some encounter either with the you know the eucharistic caravan or with the actual processions that will take place within different cities and dioceses and places um, that I think is going to really bring the Lord out to the streets. And for folks who are Catholic, uh, they're going to see that. I think there's going to be a lot of hope for people who maybe have fallen away a bit. I think there might be a moment of encounter where the Lord is going to seek them. And then for people who have never met Jesus, I think there might be a Zacchaeus moment where it's like, oh, I, who is this? I, I need to kind of get a look. And there may be some questions that are asked that, um, begin moments of conversion. So there are four different routes that will uh, go from the west, to the north, the south, and the east. Um, they'll stop at various shrines uh, and holy places in the United States. They'll make stops along the way at dioceses where there will be you know, many processions uh, after Sunday Masses. They'll be doing some service work on Saturdays. Um, and the whole time, uh, you know, people will be invited to you know, even step alongside and walk a bit with those pilgrimages if they would so so choose. So it's an incredible moment where the Blessed Sacrament will be brought from the four corners of the United States to Indianapolis, happening May and June. So these are two months' journeys before the start of the National Eucharistic Congress, uh, where those four groups will converge the Tuesday before um, before everything kicks off. 
Yeah, that's it. Really, is so powerful. I mean, I just see in my head, in a sense, like the cross, the physical cross, being you know placed over the United States in the in the, in the act of Eucharistic presence. You know, um, there has to be the fruit of that. I think is going to be so immense. Um, Jesus traveling the length of the the whole country in the shape of a cross to meet in the middle. So I know, I'm just seeing that in my mind right now. <laughs> And marveling at the power and beauty of that. So, if Joel, if if people want to go to the Congress, if they want to, what what do they do? How do they get involved? Um, what's the, practically what does that mean for them? Yeah, very simple. You go to EucharisticCongress.org, and if you go to that website, you'll also find uh, you know tabs that will get you information about the pilgrimage. You'll find you tabs that will get you information about the revival, the big movement that's happening right now. Um, because the Congress and the pilgrimage are moments within that movement. Um, and there you can find information about passes, about different ways to participate, um, and all of the different pricing options the, for the event itself. We would love to have, you know, representation really from every area of the United States at this incredible event. But EucharisticCongress.org is where anybody listening can get more information about the event. Wonderful. And there's a youth, there's going to be a youth track as well along with the event, correct? Yeah, there's different experiences for different groups of people that will go. So we have a real large stadium experience in the morning for people um, who are, are just like, I want to go. I want the bigness of the event. Uh, <laughs> you know, they'll they'll have that experience in the morning. And then we actually have a couple smaller experiences, which I'm excited about for ministry leaders. So folks like yourselves who go and maybe want to have some time to be strengthened and renewed um, within their ministry. So there's a morning experience for ministry leaders. There's a smaller group experience for folks that maybe say, hey, the big stadium's fine, I'll get that at night. But you know, in the morning, I'd love to actually have conversations with people and have a little bit more intimate experience. Uh, there's a morning session built like that. And then, yeah, there's a track for teenagers, uh, so an experience throughout the day that would really tailor to the teenage experience, um, and then an experience for families as well. So if folks would like to come, you know, as we hope they will with their spouse, with their children, they have a morning session that's built to be experienced together, which I think is a really beautiful thing as well. So moments for families, moments for teenagers, moments for people in ministry, big moments, more intimate, small group moments, um, uh, really something for, for a lot of people uh, who, again, are, are coming and desire to be sent on mission by being healed, united, formed, and renewed. Beautiful. Joel, is there anything, as we're getting ready to wrap up, is there anything we haven't covered about the Congress, the Revival, that you feel like we, we you want to mention to our listeners? I think just that it's a grassroots thing. And as, I, as I've been talking about this, I, I try to remind people of that, that the bishops called for this. But as I had said earlier in the show, revival is the work of God. So it's something we have to pray for. And I think we sometimes forget that. I think that even as laity, I'll speak for myself, you know, I can say, well, what's the church going to do about this thing? What's all the way up to Pope Francis? What's Pope Francis going to do about this thing? Or what are the bishops going to do about this thing? Or what's my parish priest going to do about this thing? And I forget that, like, I need to be petitioning the Lord in prayer earnestly for renewal and revival. And then I also need to be working on that in my own heart. You know, I think that for all of us, this is a call personally to step back and say, how do I approach the Eucharist on Sunday? How do I reverence the Lord in, in my life? How do I place a priority on my prayer? What am I doing to experience revival? Where do I need revival? And am I leaning into that, 
or am I waiting for somebody to kind of bring me, you know, the TV dinner, <laughs> a little old reference, right? Like, but the prepackaged frozen meal kind of quick, hey, here's, here's revival. I've put it all together for you. Now you just have to consume it. I think this is calling us beyond a consumer mentality and into uh, a very active participation in what the Lord is doing here. And I think that's kind of the call I like to leave people with is a call for personal revival. What does that look like? in your life, in your family, in your community, and really breaking things down to the grassroots to say, okay, this is happening, but what does that mean for me? Rather than sort of waiting for, well, what's the big church, what's the corporate church going to do about this this sort of thing? Yes, there's work that has to be done at that level, for sure, but I think this is a call for us um, at the grassroots to say, okay, what does revival look like in my life and in my heart? And that's where renewal is going to take place. Amen. Well, we're, we're excited to go. We're excited to be there. Our Mother Foundress is actually speaking at it, so we're pretty excited about that too, Mother Adela. And uh, so we'll, we'll be there cheering her on and <laughs> supporting her and um, in attendance with all the rest, so many people from around our country. And, and speaking of speakers too, we're pretty excited to have you coming to Rapid City in a couple months in March. That's fun that we got to interview you and, and prepare also for you coming to come into our diocese. For pastoral ministry, I am pastoral days. ministry days. Yeah, you get, you'll get it's, to experience March, the snow. Right? Yeah, 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 it's super, real warm. Super warm in March. Yeah, you're gonna. You, you never know. It could be seventy degrees. A winter coat. You never know. <laughs> we might have had a blizzard last year during this time. <clears throat> it's possible, but. <laughs> well, I will look forward to it regardless. Thank you so much, Joel. We're very excited about this. As you know, probably those in your listening area, in the listening area here, that uh, your diocese is probably doing some sort of Eucharistic uh, Congress trip. We know the Diocese of Rapid City is hot on uh, getting people to check out, check out the information, to mm-hmm. j- jump on a bus, and to uh, head together as a pilgrimage. And so certainly families and individuals can go by themselves. You know, everyone's invited. Um, but check check your diocese, uh, rapidcitydiocese.org, uh, for uh, those in the Rapid City area. Joel, thank you. God bless you. Uh, have a good time uh, enjoying the, the coolness of uh, Arizona weather tonight with your family. And <laughs> we'll catch thank you later. You. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for staying with us. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break. And uh, on the other side of the break, we have a Father Gerard Braun, who just had an exciting adventure in the Holy Land that we're going to hear more about. So join us after the break. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. Did you know you can listen to Real Presence Live anytime on any podcast platform? Just search for Real Presence Radio on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and on the Real Presence Radio website. Then subscribe so you don't miss any future shows. If you like what you hear, give us a good rating so other people can find us as well. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. If there is a merciful God, how can he allow such suffering? I'm Father Chris Alar. God took his greatest risk in giving you his greatest gift, free will. He risks that you may choose not to love him and to hurt your neighbor. But even then, God wants to bring a greater good out of evil. There is no worse evil than a creature nailing his creator to a tree. Yet God brought a greater good from it, your redemption. 
God doesn't want you to suffer, but he allows it. Why? Because your suffering can also be redemptive when you share in the cross of Christ. It is not easy, but when you learn how, it changes everything. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. This is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. I want to share with fellow business owners how underwriting Real Presence Radio has been a tremendous blessing to our clinic. Supporting Real Presence Radio as an underwriter allows me to support the mission and work of the new evangelization and also helps us spread the word about Catholic patient-centered eye care in the Fargo-Moorhead area. We've seen a huge return on investment with new patients who found out about Lumen Vision through RPR. If you're a business owner, I'd highly encourage you to consider underwriting Real Presence Radio. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of RPR, and I hope you will be too. Hey.